If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system podcast. Greetings, welcome to the Golf Betting System podcast. It's episode 281. It's our 2023 Shriners Children's Open and Open Despania Bets Pod. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selection for this week's PGA and DP World Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gambler aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website where we have in-depth betting previews for both events. We've got strokes gained rankings for both events. Course form stats combined with current form stats. Plus, of course, our brand new predictor models. All of our content at Golf Betting System, like this podcast, it's all completely free of charge. There's no paywall. On X, you can follow Barry at A Good Talk Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available, along with my weekly golf betting show. Can I just say to listeners, come across to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel. That'd be great. Um, just We've got a drive on for uh, for subscribers. So if you could come across... There's uh, my golf betting show each week for all the PGA Tour action, and this podcast is all like, also available on the channel. So come across. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, and we'll read them out at the start of a future show, leave your name and where you are in the review. Right, before I start, Barry, we didn't get a review from Ireland again last week. Can you have a word with somebody? We need a five-star review from Ireland it's essential. What can you well, do? Okay, I'll, I'll see. I mean, this this has just sprung on me. Um, okay, <laughs> I'll 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 try and manifest one or two, Steve. I like thing. I like springing things on you. One hundred eighty-one we've got from the US. One hundred seventy from the UK. And I know that Ireland's got a smaller population. We've only got forty-two from Ireland. Come on, people of the Emerald Island, send over a five-star review, please. I, th- I think per capita we're absolutely smashing it there. Steve. Yeah, true. Anyway, we'll work on it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, okay. I'll work with that one. Right now, this this review here, it's from Andy, and he is in Louisville, Kentucky. Now that is Justin Thomas country right there. Uh, the it's entitled "Love It" five stars. It's the golf bedding system. The golf bedding system podcast. In brackets, hoping Steve sings this part on the podcast. Lots of laughs. Close brackets. Good theme song. Great information. Stays on my weekly podcast rotation at work. Keep up the good work, chaps. It was a pleasure, Andy. Thanks for your five-star review. What do you think, guys? Thanks, Andy. Yeah, I'm not sure Sam needs to give up the day job, really, does he? Not really. He dared me to sing it, so I did. Yeah, very good. I've always said, whatever whatever's written, I will read or sing yeah. in this context. <laughs> that's, There's that's a challenge a, to everybody. Oh, that's going to be fun. That way for the tongue twister Steve's going to get. That is a I've dangerous to say, statement. 
That five-star review kind of follows on to last week's golfing action. I mean, when you've got Luke List winning a putting contest at the Sanderson Farms Championship, gaining mm. one and a half strokes per round with a flat stick, you know the world has gone crazy. Mm. And now, what now, is it with these terrible putters like Lucas Glover and now Luke List? They've started to see someone that can teach them how to putt and they're winning PGA Tour events. Yeah, it's contagious. Nailing a 45-footer in the uh, playoff to do it as well. Mm. What can you do? I feel a bit sorry for Ben Griffin, actually. Yeah. To be, yeah. To be fair, I was kicking myself from Friday that I hadn't picked him because, in my analysis, he was exactly the kind of player that I needed to pick. He'd been good with his putting the previous outing. He'd finished in the top 20 in his previous outing. But the thing that put me off him was that his previous outing had been way, way, way back at the St. Jude Championship. And I'm thinking that huge gap between last playing and winning just doesn't happen. Mm. And lo and behold, he was he was way ahead even at the halfway stage, wasn't he? I'm like, oh, Steve, you should have picked him. Should have picked him. And it... It, it all ground to a halt on the Sunday, didn't it, for um, for Ben? Yeah, the, the finish was reminiscent of a DP World Tour event, really, with no Hot one... potato. <laughs> yeah, no one Mark really Hubbard wanted to doubling both of the 17 and 18 to miss out on a... to make it a six-man playoff. Yeah, well, this is it. It's you know We, we know it's hard to win, but... Yeah, Griffin will be disappointed with that. A couple of late bogeys and, uh, you know, the, the driver just wasn't his friend at the end, which... Um, yeah, when push comes to shove, you, you you just need to be able to execute some of those shots. Still had a still had a part at the end, didn't need to to take it outright, but uh, yeah, not not good enough. But yeah, Luke List put him in the uh, put him in the playoff, and uh, if you you can nail a putt like that, then uh, good luck to you. Broke everyone's hearts. That's why I still struggle with some of these players that just don't play these events. I mean, Luke List there, he's come from being outside the top 125, even though he did have a win exemption from last year, so he's not panicking about that. But all of a sudden, he's now got a spot at next year's Masters. Yep. And he's playing this Champions event at the start of 2024 down at uh, you know Plantation in Hawaii. Yeah. This, this, one week on the PJ Tour can earn you a pocket full of dollars well, sorry, a bucket full of dollars and just change your whole momentum for a year. I suppose you'll get, get into some of the signature events as well, Winnie, from, from that. I, I, there's, there's lots of perks, isn't there? For- there's lots of perks. <coughs> and a lot of these guys just, nah, I'm going to take a few weeks off. Mm. So I suppose it's, it's everyone's priority, isn't it? Um, that was the um, action over in the States. Um what did we what did we make of Scotland? Was it messy, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, absolutely biblical amounts of rain falling in uh, in that part of Scotland over over the weekend. And, uh, well, you you'd have seen as well as I did the the pictures of uh, Carnoustie late on Sunday afternoon, and uh, you know the. The assertion that if they could get it playable by eleven thirty on Monday, then then they would play. And you know, I, I looked at the pictures, and my knee jerk reaction was, "Well, that's it; it's done." Because the the course is in such a the course is underwater, and how the 
green staff there managed to get it into any kind of position to actually play it's that's just a just a revelation really I, it wasn't perfect and i've seen some some gripes about it since on uh, on social media but uh, you know at the point they were trying to finish the event however they managed to do it was the priority number one and there's so many points on on offer um for that event you know it's an important point in the in, who, the, in the season as well so who did you see griping who was it it was um tom mckibbin's dad or something like that um so, someone posted some pictures and they were, you know, they were bunkers full of water and uh I'll get a life <laughs> you know every, everyone had to play the same <laughs> read thing. the room it's um you know, and ultimately they managed to get it done, and uh, because of the way that it worked through, those players who were playing one of the two easier courses on the third and final day on Monday had the advantage. And Matt Fitzpatrick was playing St Andrews; he was already a shot up. And uh, once it was announced that he was, uh, then it was being cut down to fifty-four holes. That was it. He was, uh, he was the long odds-on favourite, and and duly converted in the end, not without a scare, but. You know, in the end, it was uh, he got himself quite comfortably over the line, and uh, yeah, there was absolutely no love for Fitzpatrick or, or Fleetwood before the event. And you know, we'd, we'd all, I guess, everyone had come to the same kind of conclusion that these Ryder Cup boys were, you know, after the after the partying and uh, the, you know, the, the exhilaration of the Ryder Cup, were going to struggle to lift themselves. But Fitzpatrick did; he, he got himself there. Perhaps the weekend of no action actually helped galvanise him for the final day. One big effort. Mm. I think there was, a, there was another little aspect I was just, you know, pondering on after the event, like why did somebody win and try to figure it out to maybe help for future decisions. Mm. Again, there's like that, um, just that emotional state and emotional like um, situation that a golfer has in any given week. And look, everybody has one, but there was just one, that playing with his mum, um, there's just that extra little level there that, yep. you know, if you if you knew about that, if you know about that in advance and you take a bit of time to consider it, then it could tilt you into, it could be the factor that tilts you into making a bet on him. But, but I mean, historically, players after Ryder Cup and President's Cup, it's, it's hard for them to last all week. I mean, that's without having facts in front of me, but it just feels like it's, there's always a bit of a drop-off. Steve will have something to back me up here, I hope, um, rather than just let me hang out. But I think it could work both ways, but we it'd be mm. interesting to just delve into what happened post-2018 in the Golf National. You might see a whole stream of European team members that actually went on and won. Yeah, not necessarily Don't them. Know. It can work both ways. You can. We've we've seen Ryder Cuppers go and win the following event, and you know there's there's, there's different ways to look at it, isn't there? Um, yeah. Ultimately, uh, Fitzpatrick was pretty friendless in the market, but um, yeah, it got to the point where you know three three rounds probably suited him. Had it been four consecutive rounds, and they'd have gone out and played really two really tough rounds in in the rain over the weekend, perhaps it would have been a different story, but. Uh, there was too much rain for that to happen, so it is what it is. Um, Matt Wallace was the only shining light for me. He actually uh, finished off quite nicely at Carnoustie and got into a tie for sixth with uh, three others. So 
did manage to get a skinny profit on the week in the end, which was was nice. Um, having looked at the uh, the way that everything was panning out, and rather hoping that the event was going to be cancelled on, on Sunday, because that would have been potentially a better situation. <laughs> he needed a couple of birdies in the last three holes, holes didn't he? He did, yeah. I, I think and he, he actually birdied, did that. Yeah, right. I think he birdied three of the last four, something like that. Well done. Yeah, that showed showed a bit of um, yeah, a bit of fortitude from Matt. So. Uh, Good, good for him. Playing some nice stuff, he, Matt Wallace. He's now caught a private jet, I expect, and uh, he'll be in Las Vegas on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, he's off to Vegas. Mm, let's talk about this week, shall we? We've got two events. We've clearly got the uh, John Rahm Open down in uh, Madrid. We'll cover that second. Paul's been working all through the night to get his selections done for an event that's been totally screwed by the Monday finish at uh, St Andrews and up in Scotland. Uh, in terms of best bookmaker, though, for the 2023 Shriners Children's Open, we're highlighting Bet365. As ever, they have their each-way extra market available, which gives you the option to increase or decrease the number of places when you are betting pre-event on the Shriners outright market. I've used their eight places each way at 50 odds on a number of my selections this week, which I put up yesterday, Monday. Right now, as we record the pod, they're offering extended market best odds and eight places each way on market leaders such as Cam Davis's 22 to 1. We've got a triumvirate of Tom Hoagie, who's been well backed, Adam Schenk, and JJ Spawn at 33 to 1. Adam Hadwin, if you want a horse for a course, it's Hadwin. And Ryder Cup hero Nikolai Hoygaard at 40 to 1 each. Or what about friend of the podcast, especially friend of Paul, Paul Williams, Ches Reevy. He's 140 to 1. Eight places each way with Bet365. 90 to 1 with Paddy Power. We recommend Bet365. If you're 18 plus and do not have a Bet365 sports account, you can find details of their current Bet £10, get £30 in free bets, new customer promotion, plus a link through to that very offer with T's and C's in this podcast description. Don't forget to use the bonus code SPORT30, SPORT30, when registering. So yes, the Shriners Open. I always like this event. I always like this event. It's normally well supported. But as we have seen with this PGA Tour fall, which is unique in the fact that um, there isn't a great deal to play for for the big names, they're all pretty much putting their feet up. So this is an event where Tiger Woods, Jim Furyk twice, Kevin Nahr twice, Webb Simpson, Patrick Cantlay, Bryson DeChambeau, We've got Sung Jae-im and Tom Kim have all won this. I mean, that's a that's not a bad winner's champions list, is it? Right there. Um, it's not a stellar field. Uh, there's a better field next week at the Zozo over in Japan. I think Xander's playing that. Uh, Colin Morikawa's definitely playing it. Ricky's playing it. Uh, of course, Keegan Bradley will be defending. So it's a decent field over in Japan. Um, a lot of what I would classify as the lesser names so are playing Shriners and then hopping on, clearly, the charter flight to take them to Japan. Um, but all in all, it's not the strongest Shriners field I've ever seen. Um, it's worth highlighting, though, and this is going to get a lot of coverage, LPGA star Lexi Thompson, 
fresh from her Sol- Solheim Cup appearance, is in the Shriners field. So that'll be interesting to see what Lexi can produce from the back tees this week at the Shriners. What do you think to that, chap? Just as a, I, I, I can't see any harm in it. I think it'll be interesting to see how a top quality player like Lexi, Lexi Thompson can get on. Yeah. Was it Michelle Wee who played before in one of the mm-hmm. events? Same. Um, um, yeah, it's not the first time. No. I think it's like the fourth or fifth. But. Mm. Yeah. It's just tough, isn't it? Because they'll be uh, should be playing off the same tees as the guys, so um, that's yeah. where the, the disadvantage will be in that respect. But uh, yeah, good luck to her. One thing in her favour, though, here is we're playing at altitude, uh, seven thousand two hundred and fifty-five yard golf course. It plays sub seven. Um, I classify it as. Resort level scoring. I mean, 23 under tends to be the required target. It's at altitude. It's a desert golf course, clearly, because it's in Las Vegas, Nevada. And, you know, amazingly enough, I categorise it as short in terms of its length. The course is TPC Summerlin. It's a par 71. It features four holes with water hazards. Fairways are Bandera Bermuda grass, rough is 419 Bermuda grass, two and a quarter inches, so actually a little bit more depth than last week down in Mississippi. The greens here, though, are large, 7,400 square feet. They feature Dominator bent grass. This was one thing that came out after um, the start of tournament week last year. They actually have regrassed the whole golf course. So all of the Bermuda grass is different and the greens have changed from A1, A4 bent grass to Dominator. So that was in place for last year, but no one no one knew pre-event that that had actually happened. Mm. It's all technical details really, but it's a, this is a rarity. It's a Bermuda grassed golf course that has bent grass putting surfaces. The only other regular stop-off on the PGA Tour that has a similar agronomy colonial country club down in texas where they play the charles swab challenge just a little intricacy there i mean and actually kevin noah we know for a fact that kevin's won both at colonial and of course he's won here twice so something potentially to look in if you're looking at correlating golf courses um, not only is it short, but it's particularly wide as well. 33 yards wide at 300-yard carry off the tee. All of the par fives, and there's three of them, are reachable to the whole field. And that doesn't happen that much when it comes to the PGA Tour. Uh, if you want players that are regular or, or, or are Vegas-based, I might have missed a few, but here's a list. Doug Gim, Harry Hall. How did someone from Cornwall end up living in Las Vegas? Anyway, Charlie Hoffman, David Lipsky, Taylor Montgomery, Ryan Moore, Scott Piercy, Justin Sue, Nick Watney, all live in Las Vegas and in this field. Jimmy Walker's a regular visitor as well because he's often training at the Las Vegas Training Centre of the Harmons. He's playing better golf now, Jimmy Walker. His approach, his um, off-tee play is fantastic at the moment. He seems to have found the driver. The approach play, not so good. But there's something stirring with Jimmy Walker. 
And we know for a fact he does well play. He does play well at the West Coast. Does it yeah. tends to be his best um, best hunting grounds. Mm. So basically, weather it's going to be Astrodome kind of golf as you would expect in Vegas. Very little wind. One noticeable thing I did um, just stumble upon: it looks like it's going to be four to five degrees cooler than last year. We were looking at temperatures over at the 30 degrees Celsius last year. This is going to be more comfortable. I think the first opening two days, 22 degrees, uh, and then it just warms up 26, 27 over the weekend. Um, I know my North American friends will be saying to me, what's that in Fahrenheit? So 72 to 81 Fahrenheit. I don't think it's going to do much in terms of scoring. I still think it's going to be a 21 to 22 under par wins this. What are we looking for? Difficult to tell, because i tell you what, the way that Luke List won last week at uh, the Sanderson Farms was completely different to what normally happens there. But if anything as per normal happens here, what you've got to do is find tons and tons of fairways. There is definitely a very rare occurrence here when you look at the historic statistics. And I'm going all the way back to Jonathan Bird in 2010. Driving accuracy actually matters here. You go through all of the winners, where they ranked for driving accuracy that week, average it through, 12th in the field. Now, you rarely see that on the PGA Tour. So, for me, I always avoid players that are wide off the tee. Because I think, eventually, it's going to catch up with you and you just can't hit the ball and create enough chances on a regular basis to make the score that you're going to need to, to actually win this if you're often in 2.25 inch Bermuda grass rough or even worse, stuck behind a cactus plant in some kind of desert wasteland or in the water. So I'm always looking for plotter's pole. You like, <clears throat> you love picking plotters. <laughs> this is a plotter's <clears throat> golf course. Yeah. And then that's why we were on Tom Kim last year. Because Tom Kim, guess what? He's straight off the tee. He's more than long enough. And he's got a fantastic approach play. And all you needed last year with Tom was for him to actually make some putts. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, on bent grass green, started making some putts. And made a copious amount of birdies and eagles. Quite simple when you when you boil it all down. It's just picking the right players, isn't it? Yep. First player on my on my um, list. He to me he slept wall. He basically sleepwalked into a playoff last week, and that's how good this guy is, Ludwig Oberg. I'm on three points each way. I managed to snag fourteen to one yesterday with Bet365 on their each-way extra facility eight places on Ludwig Oberg. And I know for a fact, because you messaged me with glee yesterday morning, Paul, that you had got William Hill's first show of 18-1 to 1 on Ludwig Oberg. It was, yeah, I, it's one of those, isn't it, where if you've got a target for a particular player and um, the first show looks out of kilter then I think you just got to take it and yeah I, I was expecting 14s and as you say Ludwig opened at 18s with Hills and it lasted 
18 minutes, I think it was. So I managed to snare that and, um, yeah, it's, you know, a, a relatively chunky punt for me this week on, on Ludwig. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, Steve. You know, a generational talent as as he's been described, and I think we've just got to embrace it. The guy um, flew straight over from the the Ryder Cup, as you said, kind of after a few days of um, yeah, kind of meandering about on the fringes of contention, got himself into the mix on on Sunday into the playoff, and you know, had Luke List not nailed that putt, who knows? He could have gone and won. And uh, you know, should he win? He's, he's got there's some big carrots, aren't there, for these these players right this this end of the season. You've articulated a few already, but if he finishes inside the top 125, then he's going to get into the Players' Championship. Um, there's signature events up for grabs as well, and as you said, if he can get himself um, a win, then it's Masters invite, Century yeah. Tournament champions. Yeah, yeah, these are the kind of events that uh, Ludwig should be uh, should be playing in. So. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him win this week. His status means that um, he would be playing PJ Tour or whatever because he, mm. he he got the first ever amateur champion. Is it kind of an amateur champion pass into the PJ Tour? Yeah, that's right. But what these things are doing are getting him to that top 125, which means he can then play the Players' Championship, gets a start there. More importantly, of course, a win would get him into the Masters. And don't forget, he's not a million miles away now from top 50 in the world. No. We know what doors that opens as well. Mm. So he's got a, still a lot to play for. And I did look with these kind of... If I'm if I'm working back in my mind, I always think of the triumvirate that came out, which was Morikawa, it was Victor Hovland, and it was Matthew Wolfe. And that would have been 2018, I believe, when they all came out of college at the same time to play the PGA Tour. Mm. And they all hit their straps pretty quickly. And I remember Hovland's first victory, I believe, was in Puerto Rico. And when he won that in Puerto Rico, he won that. I'm just digging here, chaps. He was 12-1 to favourite winning the Puerto Rico Open, right? His first yep. PGA Tour title. Colin Morikawa, he won the Barracuda Championship. That was his first PGA Tour title. Lo and behold, he won that at 12 to 1. Favourite. And this is what you tend to see with these guys. They'll win something and they'll win something at a very suppressed price point. I think the only one that shocked was Matthew Wolfe because I think it was only his third outing when he won the 3M Open. And he won at like something like 150 to 1. Mm. John Rahm, his first PGA Tour victory, if you remember, was the Farmers Insurance Open, and he won that at 55s in a clearly a field that was loaded. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just think sometimes you've got to look at these things and you've got to say, do you know what? And we and I was backing Oberg when he was at 33s, 40s earlier in the season, going, these prices aren't going to last. They haven't. They haven't last for, lasted for obvious reasons. I just think Oberg. It feels kind of Tom King from last year. The only thing that dampened it was the fact that he did sleepwalk last week into a playoff. Could have done with him finishing like 20th or something and going, oh yeah, it was the jet lag. He'll be all right this week. <laughs> the thing that scares scares people with Ludwig is he's so good off the tee. He's so powerful. And get this, 
if his rankings, if his stats were actually ranking on the PGA Tour statistics, he'd be 45th for driving accuracy, which is scary for the guy's distance, and he would be 5th for scoring average. That's the kind of player you're dealing with here. Yeah. He is pure quality. So he's straight enough to win around here, and he makes enough birdies to win around here. Mm. The other thing I did notice, and I had a little dig. This might not be out there, but I had a little dig into Ludwig. He attended uh, Texas Tech University. Now, that is in a place called Lubbock, which is in Texas, amazingly enough. I believe that's where Sean O'Hare grew up, going back. Now, their college golf course is a golf course that features bent grass greens, and Lubbock itself is at 3,200 feet above sea level. So he's used to playing golf at altitude on a home golf course at college that was bent grass greens, yeah? And guess where he won his first DP World Tour title? At Kranz, at the Amiga European Masters. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's quite a high golf course. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. So I could try and persuade myself to say, well, you know what, he hasn't got any course experience. How's he going to get on with the altitude? Da 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 da. And you, you know what it's like. You persuade yourself out of something. Well, actually, it all kind of stacks up. I think he's going to love this golf course. Mm. And we said exactly the same about Tom Kim last year. It's just a shame there isn't a Patrick Cantlay or a couple of the usual star names that aren't in the field, which would have boosted Ludwig closer to twenty to one. But hey-ho, we've got what we've got. So I'm on Ludwig, three points each way. You're on him as well, Paul, and you managed to grab that 18-1, to one, so well done for you. Have you got any interest in... Do, do you follow that, Barry? Is that anything that rings a bell with you in terms of that this could be his breakthrough victory? It's very convincing. It's just a crap price. Yeah, well, I mean... Was the one that always says, "Don't be price proud. A win is a win," and I haven't been. <clears throat> um, I haven't backed him, every, you know, consistently like you have. So I'm not uh, feeling completely exposed or you know desperate for that win. So yeah, actually, it's um, be a nice win only bet to put on. I wouldn't bother with each way on that for me, but yeah. I'll make I'll make I'll make it a podcast trifecta. Okay, well done. It. I don't forget. I was the whisperer that said that Ricky would win in Detroit at a ridiculously short fourteen to one, and he did. So yeah. sometimes you just yeah. got to say, "Oh, I'm just getting stuck in." Yeah. I mean, a fourteen to one winner is better than you yeah. know, not, not a fourteen to one winner. Like to be, but yes, absolutely. Um, next up for me, Siwoo Kim. I've been burnt with Siwoo many, many times. But actually, you look at what you need around here. This year on tour, 7th for driving accuracy, 27th for scoring average. He's he's in the top 40 in the world rankings. So he could do with something just to cement that spot so that he gets his Masters invite for Christmas. And lo and behold, we see where I think the last three outings here, he's finished 8th, miscut 8th, which is Siwoo. 
did make the Tour Championship this year, which is the only the second time Siwoo Kim has made the top 30 on the PGA Tour. So he must be coming in here with a bit of pep in his stride. Finished very, very well at Tour Championship, actually. I think it was a 68-65 finish. He was in the top 10 for scoring both of the Saturday-Sunday rounds. And then, of course, big pressure. Goes to the Asian Games with Sung J.M., and yeah, the, the, the thought of having to play to actually avoid, is it three years of of um, military service that they have to do? A couple of years, but yeah. It's, oh, it's 21 months, 21 months it, yeah. of military service. And they pulled it off. Mm. They won the gold medal. Now that's going to do one of two things with Siwoo, and that's why I've kind of kept the stake down. I've gone one and a half points each way, 25 to one with bet 365, eight places each way. You never know with him, and you will find out quickly with Siwoo. He'll either eject immediately on Thursday or actually pull together some decent play. He was actually first-round leader here last year. I'm hoping that he just boosts him and kind of just releases all of that pressure. And, you know, he's thinking, oh, you know, all of a sudden, I can go out there now and actually win PGA Tour titles rather than winning about the fact that, or worrying about the fact that <laughs> I've got a Sang Moon Bay kind of sentence coming towards me 21 months of military service and that must be such a relief for these for these guys mm. you actually look at where he's won it's crazy really Sedgefield Sawgrass PGA West Wileye Country Club that's his those are his four PGA Tour victories they are all short golf courses featuring featuring Bermuda grass those wins at Sedgefield, PGA West and Wileye came at 21 under, 23 under and 18 under par. Short, scorable, Bermuda grass. That's what he likes. Yes, I know the greens are bent grass. The rest of the course is Bermuda. And he just likes the place, gets on with it. So he made logical sense for me at 25 to 1. My, my, my other two chances are above 40. So are, are there any players that you want to interject with? No, I've only got one other. Um, 80 to 1, that is. So I can do that in a sec if you like. What about you, Baron? Mm. Are you, are you no, still choosing? No, I'm way deeper. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Another yeah. player that Just... can really pick himself around a golf course is Andrew Putnam. He's one of these players, he's Ches Reeve-esque, he's Kevin Nar-esque, that Putnam pops up on the shorter P... You know, we've always said there's this micro PGA Tour, tour, isn't there, of short golf courses. Kevin Kisner excels at some of those when he's on form. Mm. It's that kind of... It's Siwoo Kim. These kind of players that pop up on short affairs where you don't need to be overly long off the tee and Putnam is one of those he's in the top 60 in the world he actually finished last year by oh I say last year he actually finished the FedEx Cup stand, uh, series with a 10th at the BMW Championship and we know that that was top 50 full of full of high quality players he finished second at the Zozo Championship last October which again Sub 7,000 yard, bent grass, green, golf course, tree lined. He's also got a great desert record. His only PGA Tour victory was at the Barracuda in 2018. He's also finished second at the Barracuda. 
you just look at his Californian debt or his just his desert form in general, he can pick his way around these golf courses. Uh, he was he missed the cut last time out in the Fortinet, but I don't mind that because actually he played some competitive golf. So yeah, I'm in on Putnam, who's finished at 18th, 11th, and 12th here since 2019. Just think, he's the kind of guy that could just have a nice little run over the next few tournaments and just slip into the top 50 almost unannounced and get himself a nice Masters invite for Christmas. So that's Andrew Putnam, one and a half points each way, 45 to one with William Hill, eight places each way. People are going to be shouting down the down the pipe at me. Why didn't you pick Tom Hoagie, Steve? You were on him last week. You're a Tom Hoagie fan. Why didn't you pick Tom Hoagie? He was also last week seventh for tee to green and fifth for approach at the Sanderson Farms. Played all right, Tom. I was on him. Didn't really let me down. Just couldn't quite get close enough. Threw in a crazy double on Saturday, which annoyed the hell out of me. Uh, when he was, I think, six under par and flying. Mm. I looked at Tom Hoagie closely, as you would have. Do you know what? In his whole career on the PGA Tour, he has never gone back to a golf course and backed up a top 10 finish the year before with another top 10 finish. And I just thought, that's enough for me. There's something in that. He just doesn't seem to go back to a course where he had success the previous year and back it up with another very good performance. So I'm not on Tom. No, bit of expectation. You do see that with players. You see a lot of players that can't back up a top 10 with a top 10 the week after. And you do see players that literally had some great success. I was on Tom Hoagie here last year, if you remember. Because I had Tom and I had... Um, I had both the Toms. I had Tom Hoagie got yeah, each yeah. way, and I had Tom Kim. So Tom was at the top of my list, and when I'm looking into it and finding that, I'm like, mm, maybe not. The one I've actually selected at 55 to 1 is Davis Thompson. Young talent. I was on on him at the Fortinet. He was, he was second this year at the American Express, which is a short par 72 desert golf in California. He's just playing some really, really good stuff under the surface. Five top 31 finishes in his last six outings, Davis Thompson. And we know he's a prestigious driver of the golf ball. He's pretty straight. And all of a sudden, the approach play clicked last week. Fifth are off the tee, 15th for approach, 13th for tee to green last week. I'm just hoping he comes back to a course where he finished 12th last year and just keeps that forward momentum going. So Davis Thompson, 55-1 to with William Hill, 8 each way, was my final selection, a point each way. Right, over to you guys. Paul. Yeah, the only other one I've backed, um, I'm just keeping the faith with Matt Wallace, 80-1. to Sixth last week, as we said. And um, yeah, he's had to jump straight over on a plane to Vegas. Whether that will influence how he plays, I'm not sure. Perhaps he'll just turn up with... um, very little expectation in that respect and hit the ground running it's played here twice actually and um from the two attempts he's shot all eight rounds in the 60s finished 14th and 28th so two kind of you know, strong enough performances to suggest that he can uh, can play the course all right 
Um, six under par at Carnoustie on Sunday, on, or Monday rather, yesterday. So that suggests that his long game is in the decent enough, uh, decent enough place as well. So yeah, I think he could keep the momentum going and play well this week. Matt Wallace at 80s. But yeah, other than um, Aubert, that's the only bet I'm having in Vegas this week. Barry. I should, yeah, I should have put a disclaimer at this time of year for my bets. I, I seem to lose the plot altogether in terms of just being able to figure out what to back. Last week was uh, fantastic because by Thursday lunchtime, everything I backed was out of the running. So, <laughs> yeah, I was just able to watch uh, a bit of the golf and just enjoy it for actually watching it rather than sweating bets. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to take... Um, couple of just long long odds punts very small stakes just to have a little bit of an interest um gonna go with joel damon Mm -hmm. 13th last week and it's um courses that ask for a lot of driving accuracy um are ones that he can show up on uh better than others he's a ninth here four years ago um so just i think two no putts in effect here I did have a very close look at Joel Dane. So, yeah. What price did you get? Uh, 125 to 1, eight Nine. places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then the other, this is, this feels like a bad bet. <laughs> like it could be a bad bet because he should, he, he seems like, he seems like he, or he's always felt like he's had enough talent to be, you know, to win a couple of times out there, but just, um, Figures out a way to disappoint or to crushingly uh, collapse as Eric Van Royen. Mm. You and are I, a mind. Sometimes you're a mind reader because he was the one player I was going to mention after this. I'm He's playing add, ridiculously goal, good golf, Eric Van Royen. I'm going to double my stakes down now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's like, just look at his like last four events: eighth, sixteenth, thirtieth, and then couple of weeks break and 16th last week now his um his one time playing here was a couple of years ago with a missed cut i had a look into that it seemed like he was playing absolute garbage um and just had a really poor week with the approach game terrible around the greens but that's not the kind of form he's in right now um he's popping all over the place on um the predictor and then again in your stats tracking steve yeah he's 10th Tee to green, mm-hmm. second on approach, and he is eighth in putting. Those are the ones that really stood out for me. And at 110 to 1, I kind of said, let's give it a whirl. He's better than that. Well, he's not eighth for putting. That's Tom Kim. But he's eighth. Oh, sorry. Strokes, his strokes sorry. gained current form, Barry, which is better, really, isn't it? Sorry, coffee. So in the last eight weeks, and this includes his DP World Tour outings, he's eighth in this field for current form strokes gained total. And don't forget, he won his PGA Tour title in the Californian desert at the Barracuda Championship. Mm-hmm. And actually, Paul will tell you more, but I just had a quick glance at his Dubai, Abu Dhabi kind of desert form on the DP World Tour, and he's got some great results. Yeah, and looking at his, I'm, I'm, I'm 
just thinking back to the um, the stats when uh, when I was pulling them together yesterday for for your predictor, um, I'm sure he topped the um, altitude stats as well. Is that right? I wouldn't be surprised. It's certainly, he's had a, he's had a he's had a top five since he won the Barracuda as well. Mm. So yeah, so, I think that'll be seven points in my terminology on altitude so, courses. Yeah, certainly. I take it he's played well in, in South Africa, at the, uh, you know, yeah, at yeah, the yeah. Joburg yeah. and all the places around there. Here, to want the top few for altitude. Robert Streb and Eric Van Royen are joined first. Then you have Laird and Reavy are uh, next, um, followed yeah. by Webb Simpson, Wichi Rorensky, Scott Piercy, Hadwin, Tom Kim, Tom Hoagie. Tom Hoagie's there. This is. Steve, you're going to regret not backing Hoagie <laughs> after all you said. You should just put a little saver on him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Davis Thompson will miss the cut and Tom Hoagie will finish tie for second. I get that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I love Eric Van Rooyen as well. I'm, mm. I'm really, I'm, everyone will be going, well, why didn't you just tip him up today? The only one little bit I don't like about Eric is his weakness is spraying it off the tee. That doesn't mean that he can't compete around it. So, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned him. I hope I will be too. The other thing I was going to quickly say, I'm, I'm just going back through winners here. Tom, Tom Kim, 25 to 1 last year. I got him at 22 to 1, eight places with 365. Uh, Sung J 33 to 1. Laird was way out there at 225. Kevin Nar, 70 to 1. DeChambeau, 14 to 1. You look at that DeChambeau price for me, 14 to 1, and you think to yourself, hmm. It's amazing how sort of time can be a healer. I th- I'd have thought at the time everyone had gone. I'm not backing Bryson DeChambeau at fourteen to one. That was the time, remember, that he'd won two playoff events in the summer back yeah. to back, mm. and that just again it pulls me towards to Ludwig because he's won his first professional outing in Europe at altitude. He's played fantastically well to qualify for the team. Yeah. He then plays well at the Ryder Cup in one team. He's nine and seven up on the world number one. He then flies across. He's going to be too tired to do anything on the PJ Tour. He finishes in a playoff. Yeah. A playoff. Sleepwalks into a playoff to almost capture his first PGA Tour title. And I just think fourteen to one and eighteen to one in your case, Paul. Mm. That's not a bad price, I think. If you, when you if you were to look back at this in five years' time, oh yeah, do you remember when we picked up Ludwig? He was fourteen to one, and he was an, on an absolute tear before he become a world top elite top thirty in the world player. You go, yeah, it all made sense, really. But anyway, right, that's enough of that, Paul. I know you've been burning the midnight out. Well, both. I think both ends of the Wigan. You were working late last night. You were up at the crack of dawn this morning. Take us through the John Rahm Open over in <laughs> Spain for us. Yeah, off to off to sunny Spain. Hopefully, it is sunny after the uh, after the rain of uh, St Andrews over the last uh, couple of days. Got a couple of couple of uh, weeks in uh, Spain actually. Madrid this week, um, Andalusia next week. Uh, which is on a new track, of course, Valderrama went to live, didn't it? So um, next week is a different track, which is, um, it's not far. It's only a stone's throw from Valderrama. So I'd be interested to do that, a bit bit of analysis for that for next week. Anyway, this week, yes, Madrid, John Rahm is back to defend his title. Um, and 
be looking for well, what was his fourth Spanish Open win in the space of just five starts should he convert this week. Not surprisingly, uh, Rami's the standout clear favourite this week. Nine to four, currently the best price that we're getting. There's a bit of blue against his name as well, so I expect it will probably be two to one or maybe even shorter that he actually goes off on um, in terms of his price. Um, by Thursday so uh, we're kind of venturing close to uh, Tiger Woods numbers aren't we back in his pomp but <laughs> given what he's done here in the past and his relative strength compared to the rest of the field it's no surprise I don't think that we're seeing that uh, that kind of uh, that kind of price against him uh, Justin Rose 16 to 1 Yannick Paul 25 to 1 uh, Joost Lauten 28 to 1 Adrian Nategi, 30 to 1. Thiorbjorn Olsen, 33s. Roman Langask, Jorge Campillo, both 40 to 1. 50 to 1 bar those top players. So the field very, very quickly, thin, quickly thins out this week. Ball Sports, Bet365, both got eight place each way, one fifth options this week. So do check out their odds. Now we're playing at the Club de Campo Via de Madrid. It's a 7,112-yard par 71. Uh, essentially, it's a tree-lined style resort course. Wide fairways. Small bent power greens set up for low scoring. We've got some older form um, on the course. It used to be uh, used for the Tour Espana Masters, the Open to Madrid. Madrid Masters going back just after the turn of the century. The most relevant form, though, if you click in or, or flicking through the stats this week, is from 2019 onwards for this particular event, uh, which used this course in its current guise. It had a renovation after the last Madrid Masters. So what we've seen, what we have seen since 2019 onwards is what you should expect to see this week over in Madrid. Uh, those events that have been played here then, 2019, John Rahm won 100 to 30, his price 10 to 3, 22 under par. And he won by five shots back then in 2019. No event 2020 because of the uh, coronavirus. 2021, Rafa Cabrera Bayo won 55 to 1, 19 under par. And then last year, John Rahm was back, um, 5 to 2 winner, 25 under par. He won by six shots. So when you see Rahm, two wins from three attempts on this course, one by five shots, one by six shots, it's no surprise that he is the absolute clear standout favourite for this week. Uh, the weather forecast looks fine, dry and sunny for the first couple of days, temperatures in the high 70s, a bit cooler and cloudier over the weekend, maybe the odd shower. Very little wind, I'm expecting low scoring uh, once again this week. Now, if you look into the stats, uh, Ryan ranked first and second for putts per greens and regulation in his two wins. Rafa and his win was second for scrambling. The biggest correlation, though, if you're clicking through um, or searching through any of the data, um, all three of the Renaults saw strokes gained tee to green as the key stat. Ryan was first for strokes gained tee to green, both of his wins. Rafa was third for strokes gained tee to green. So for me, that's not a bad place to start. 
Um, if you're doing some analysis on this week, strokes going tee to green, you're going to need to putt. Um, you're going to need to try and keep the card clean as well. So um, these are relatively small greens. So if you're missing greens, you're going to need to be able to get yourself up and down as well. So uh, those are the numbers or those are the metrics I would be um, most focused on, I think. Uh, other than that, if you look at current form, uh, you know, if you widen it out to all of the Spanish Opens back to 2010, then each of the winners had a top 20 or better in one of their last seven starts. Uh, Rahm in 2019 and Rafa in 2021, though, both of them are missed the cut on their previous start. So it, it would suggest you don't need at that smack you in the face immediate form. Course form might be a better indicator, though, even though we've only had three renewals here in recent times. Rahm's won here twice, of course. Rafa was runner-up behind Rahm in 2019 and then went on to win a couple of years later. So those players who've shown an aptitude for the course. Um, may well be a good starting point. I think if you boil it down, make birdies and eagles, um, keep the card as clean as possible, um, and see if anyone can actually keep up with John Rahm and keep on his coattails this week. I mean, we can't ignore Rahm. Um, I haven't backed him, and you know, if anyone wanted to go out and back him at two to one, nine to four, maybe, then. Uh, it's up to them, I guess. Um, it's, for me, that would be an all-in job. It'd be every, every point that week would have to go on John Rahm, and uh, that just doesn't feel overly exciting to me. He's undoubtedly the the most likely winner. Um, three points from four at the Ryder Cup, unbeaten at the Ryder Cup as well. So um, playing some good stuff. I think the the thing we've got to look at is he was second to halfway in 2021 and he was the long odds-on favourite at that point as well and then just drifted away over the weekend. So it can happen. He's not absolutely nailed on from the second he starts here and we know the Vega is, particularly on low-scoring tests um, around the uh, around the DP World Tour circuit, that strange things can happen. So let's hope that something uh, something odd happens this week and John Rahm does get beaten. Anyway, I've backed five each way chances to take him on. I'll rattle through, rattle through them quickly because I know time's pushing on and then I'll bring you guys in. Um, Adrian Else, I've backed at 50 to 1. He probably should have backed this or won this back in 2021. Um, yeah, it's a very generous drop for Rafa Cabral Bale in the 72nd hole and then and then uh, lost the playoff to Rafa and uh, he was searching for his uh, first title at the time and uh, you know he could be excused for for not quite getting over the line. He's since won um, on home soil, he won the Catalonia Championship the following year. I think if there's a player that could push Rahm all the way, then that well could well be Adrian Ailes. Fourth from debut in 2019, second obviously the year after that I said, or the start after. Um, arrives here after a decent 14th place finish in Scotland last week. That's a new personal best at the Dunhill Links. Been putting well. I think what we've seen last week is that there's been an improvement on his long game. And that's really where Adrian House has been struggling over the last few months. After a relatively um, good start to the season, kind of gone off the boil with his long game. Opened with a 64 at Carnoustie on Thursday and you don't do that around Carnoustie unless you're striking the ball reasonably well so happy to take a chance on Adrian House. Also Grant Forrest 66-1, to he was in contention last week, um, one off the lead head into the final round. Now he had to play Carnoustie whereas uh, Matt Fitzpatrick and some of the other guys near the top were playing 
some of the easier courses, St Andrews and Kingsbarn. So it was no surprise really to see him drift down a bit. He finished tight temp in the end, but fairly solid nonetheless. And we know he can go low. Shot 24 under to win the Hero Open at Fairmont back um, a couple of years ago. Scoring well of late as well. 21 birdies at the K Club for a tied third finish. 10 birdies, two eagles in the first two rounds last week at the uh, Dunhill Links. And third here back in 2021. Um, five eagles in his four rounds then. So I think um, Grant Forrest um, will like this. I think he can contend and get himself into an each-way place or potentially better this week. Uh, Rikeo Hoshino I've backed, or Riku Hoshino, if I try and pronounce his name slightly better, 80 to 1. And I think he could take some inspiration from uh, Rio Hitsutsune's win in France last month. Six times a winner on the Japanese tour. Getting closer to a breakthrough at DP World Tour level now. Uh, Sixth foot Razel Kaim, a third at the BMW International Open. Seventh, more recently, at the Irish Open. 75th in the race to Dubai. So that's his card sewn up for me. Just a big effort now, and he could well make the earth course in a month's time. And he finished second last time out, back on the home tour. Um, the Tokai Classic. Um, and uh, he comes here in some decent form, and I think he could play well. Riku Hoshino, 80 to 1. Final two, Shabanka Sharma, 90 to 1. Real eye catcher at this year's Open Championship. He finished eighth in the end, seventh at the Irish Open more recently. Bit down the field last week. Um, he'd lost his chance, really, after a tough day to open at Carnoustie. Shot 66 and a windy Kings Barn on Friday, so that was much better. Um, won the Joburg Open, won the uh, Malaysian Open as well at 23 and 21 under pass and can get to the right kind of number to compete here. And was third here in 2021 on his only attempt at this particular course. Second for strokes gain approach and first for strokes gain tee to green that week. So um, really got the measure of this from a tee to green perspective on his one and only start. Uh, my final one is Jeff Winter at 125 to 1 with eight places. And um, it could well continue Scandinavia's good run. We, you know, we've seen the likes of Hovland over in the, on the PGA Tour win a couple of times. Uh, Vincent Norman, Ludwig Ober all win um, in recent times on the DP World Tour as well, the last two. So um, the Dane is the kind of player that I think could pick up on that and uh, and push forward. Second in France recently, 10th at the Dunhill Links last week, very much in form. And very much overlooked in the market, I think, to be a strong three-figure chance for this. Fourth here in 2019, closed with a 63. One on Spanish soil as well. He won the Mallorca Open back in 2021. A couple of rounds of 62 within that. And he's putting well. I mean, for me, Jeff Winter could really surprise a, a, a lovely three-figure price this week. So, uh, fingers crossed with that one. Winter, Sharma, Hoshino, Grant Forrest, Adri Arnaus, my five. Barry, throw me some names. Um, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to do anything different. I'm just going to. Sorry, I have none. None of my own tips, so I'm just going to follow you this week, Paul. Just kind of a little bit behind uh, with the late finish yesterday and. Haven't really had much time to dig in. I really do like Arnaus and Winter. So those are the two I'm going to jump on. Um, I'm just kind of dragging back the bets this time of year because it just gets a little bit wild. So and I just feel like it's very easy 
for some some of my money just to disappear without um, much merit or just I just have a little less confidence in in golf this time of year or at the bets. So um, I'll follow a couple of yours uh, for a bit of fun and see where we're at. Brilliant. About you, Steve. Well, independently, you'll know this. I came up with Andre Arnaus this morning. It's a full house. Perhaps we'll have to do the Oberg Adrian House double across the three of us as well. That's a shout. There we go. (laughs) And then retire. Um, We have spoken about this for um, quite a while. Well, probably since April when John Rahm won the Masters. And we did talk about then this curse. The curse of the green jacket and players winning it and then not winning again for a chunk of time. Mm. The only player that actually bucked that, as as regulars will know, was 2015. And of course, it was our friend Jordan Spieth. After DJ three-parted from, what should we say this on this podcast? Let's say six foot. It gets shorter every uh, every episode I mention it. From 18 inches. 18 inches, yes. Um, I just think, yeah, it's kind of... It's written in the stars that he wins this this week. But can I be bothered to get involved? The other school of thought would be, well, there'll be people that go, well, if you leave it for nine holes, he might start and his price will drift. Well, we've done that before and he he, he fires like six birdies in his first nine holes. Yeah, yeah, and it's two to one on. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. Um, the the one that did grab me, Barry, and you were talking about him a lot last week over in St Andrews was Sebastian Soderberg, who's he firing kind of f- some serious cliff. birdies in rounds at the moment, isn't he? He, I mean, he was he was my last off the list last week, and then. Caused me an immediate meltdown when he got uh, <laughs> off to a fast start. Because um, so, he fired yeah, in a I, crazy low round yesterday again, I noticed. Yeah, 10 under. Yeah. And I'm just looking. In October 2021, second at Valderrama, and 24th of October 2021, the week after, second at the Mallorca Golf Open. He also won um, an event on the Nordic Golf League back in 2018 in Spain. So do you know what? I might have a couple of pence each way on Sebastian Soderberg as well. Because I know how this podcast works. We don't mention a player one week and he goes and wins. So Soderberg and Arnaus for me. Yeah. And hope that uh, John Rahm doesn't win and everyone else stands a chance of uh, making some money. Hmm. Just on that point about Rahm, I think the the, the, next, the closest person that had won after the green jacket that wasn't Jordan Spieth was Adam Scott, 2013. He won a playoff event on the PJ Tour in August. So this kind of... I, yeah. I might have a cheeky tenor just straight on the nose on, um, on Rahm as well. But yes... Should be a good event, I think. I wish you all of the best, chaps, in terms of your bets this way. Good luck. Yeah, best luck, boys. You too, boys. 
Best of luck to the listeners. If you've got this far and you're in Ireland or anywhere in the world, please send us a five-star review. The other thing is, press that five-star button on Spotify. We are getting very, very close to 500 five-stars on Spotify. So if you could do that for us and send in a review, we would really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Zozo Championship for me. And what have you got, Paul? It's the Estrella Dam and the Luthia Masters That's at right. the Rail Club, the Golf Sotto Grande. So you'll be desperately trying to find out some course information about that. Indeed. Something to look forward to. Right. Have a good week. I'll see you again next week. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf, but everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the 